Welcome, listeners, to Dark Tides, a weekly improvised audio drama series that uses role-playing game mechanics. I'm your host, show creator and narrator, Aubrey Lydon, and this week, once again, we need to issue just a little <laughs> content warning. Content warning! Jess has been prepped to do that since Aubrey started Well, you're talking. editing, so I don't care what it sounds like. Oh, no. I always, like, tried to come to these edits of being just like, gonna make it, you know, dark and serious. And then we do the intros, and it's like, how, how do I, you listen to how what do I salvage this? Because how do I you end up cutting it. You keep cutting bits. Uh, yeah. yeah, see, this is why you should get me to edit. Just because I'm usually a couple of days late. I don't decide I don't who edits. I don't ask anyone to edit. <laughs> yeah, it's true. BJ gets to edit the fun stuff. Speaks I have to truth. edit the dramatic stuff. Anyway, content warning, everybody. This stuff has got some <sighs> major gore in it. Violence. Horror. What has it got in it? Sadness. I don't plan... Does it I don't have bunny rabbits? Ooh. Uh, if they get run over. Yes, issuing a content warning for this episode simply because I don't know what's going to happen and it's probably not going to be good. So if you don't like uh, a scary things... Uh, aggressive language, characters being a little bit too open with their emotions. BJ and Chester. Mm-hmm. That also, all all the content warning, don't listen. Go go listen to something else. I play Alistair Stern, a 19-year-old emo with no friends and no job security. Ali works as a night watchman for his father and mayor, doing odd jobs around the town while in his free time pursuing his true calling in secret as an amateur cryptozoologist as detective of the supernatural. Hello, I play Ernest Marsh, a lifelong Boy Scout and a nature enthusiast who has been given a chance to fulfill his lifelong dream of becoming a park ranger. This dream has led him to the Hookman Archipelago. Yeah, see, you took a breath in the middle. I heard that. I didn't do that. <laughs> Hi, Aubrey. I don't Aubrey's- really know what I can add in this... <laughs> This instance. Aubrey sent a GIF to our group chat. Oh, is that what that, that was? That was ages ago. That was like four hours ago. That was not four hours ago. Well, while you check now. your messages, I'm just going to say hi. Hi, listeners. Good to hear from you in my mind with the criticism that I always assume is coming from you, but it's really just my self-conscious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, subconscious? Mm-hmm. Self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Both. Self-conscious, subconscious. Yes, that's how that <laughs> works. Mr. Pop. Port Staples General Hospital is quiet. The night staff have taken over. The silence is only broken by the hum of the cold white ceiling lights, the gentle squeak of staff's shoes on the floor, and the quiet conversation of those gathered in the central waiting room. Ernest and Alistair have returned from Dr. Pike's laboratory. They are waiting for news of Bernie and Maria. They are aware, acutely aware, in fact, that time is ticking away, and with every moment they waste, Wilbur is drawing closer to an unknown fate amongst a horde of the lost. What are Ernest and Alistair doing? I think Alistair would have some, I don't know, maybe either on his phone or, like, physical maps of the island, and he's trying to, like, figure out... Because he knew roughly the direction that um, Wilbur and the lost went after the car crash, so he's trying to figure out what they might have been headed to. Mm Mm-hmm. What is Ernest doing? Ernest is standing a little bit further up the corridor, uh, tapping his foot, hands on hips, looking around at everyone else who seems to kind of have something they're doing or a purpose in this situation and is standing there jittering a little bit. Since you're not really doing very much, you are kind of watching the people around you. Alistair is going over uh, a map on the small coffee table that is in this waiting room. Gina is helping him. They're kind of mapping out different locations, different possibilities. You can see Randy uh, is sitting in a corner. He is sharpening a pocket knife. He's got like a little steel out. He's sharpening a pocket knife. He is quite bandaged up. He has like lots of those little... They're almost like placeholders for stitches, little bits of tape over different cuts and things on his face and his hands. Uh, And he seems to be talking to himself while doing this. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're going to... And we're going to sharpen the bad boy up. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sharpening the wrong end. <laughs> That's one sharp handle. Uh, Chief and Charlotte are still with Dr. Pike in one of the doctor's offices, and McAllister has gone to uh, talk with them. And Ernest, as you are looking, you see a door open down the corridor, and you see Maria being helped and 
escorted by Nurse Ruby, Head Nurse Ruby, who you have met before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have and, met Ruby. And Nancy. They're heading down uh, the corridor towards you, and you can see that Maria is looking a little bit pale and anxious, but she seems to have recovered quite well from the stun baton earlier. She seems relatively unharmed by the car crash and everything else that's gone down. Nancy, on the other hand, is looking very pale. She's walking a little unsteadily. Uh, you can see there are dark circles under her eyes and she does not look well. Mm. Ernest makes a start towards them. Uh, hey, hey. Uh, Nurse Ruby kind of ignores you, kind of pushes you to the side, still talking to Maria. And she's saying, All right, so you need to make sure you get plenty of rest, sit down, have some water, and in about half an hour, take another one. Bye, Ruby. She does not talk to you. <laughs> She's working. She's not focused on making chit-chat. Hi, Nancy. Nancy smiles at you very thinly. It's an attempt at a warm smile, but you can tell it's shit. Her heart's not really in it. Uh, are, are you okay? Me? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Just anxious, you know, waiting for news. Um, I don't even know what we're supposed to be doing right now. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Listen, um, do you know where, where Chief is? Do you know if there's any news? Chief? chief uh, no, our ch- chief. Chief of police. Oh, uh, he's with um, the doctor lady and the, the lady with uh, with tea or whatever it is. They're, um, they're over in the, uh, the main office, I think. Oh, okay. okay. And it's kind of points in the direction. Yeah, she, she looks but doesn't really make a move. She... Seems very uncertain of what to do, and she eventually just finds a seat a little bit away from everyone else to sit down. Mm. Meanwhile, Alistair and Gina are going over the maps, and Gina is very forcefully arguing, like, no, they wouldn't be there. There's Why a not? gulch. There's a gulch there. No one is going down a cliff face. I don't know. They might, maybe, I mean, if they need to get to the other side. Look, I think if we're being honest, there has to be a purpose. There has to be a place that they are going and it's got to be significant to wherever the lost come from or whatever they are. We talked about, weeks ago, we talked about the possibility of a hive mind. They're going to whatever hive it is that the mind is in. That's got to be it, right? That's got to be it. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, I'd, yes, but, you know, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't, you know, cross a river or something. Look, I don't know. I don't know if they swim. That's a good point. Do they swim? I don't know if they swim, Alistair. I know you don't know. I was just... Anyway, um, okay. So I'm going to investigate the map. And do I need to roll for that? Uh, well, what are you specifically <laughs> trying to find? Damn, that's a nice map. Well, I'm trying to see if there's anything really obvious that Alistair would be like, okay, maybe they're going to that place. All right, roll for me. Um, to try and figure out, you know, where the, where the boy's going. Based on... Ooh, that's an 11. Based on the direction he saw them going. Right, based on the direction, you knew that they were heading inland and you know that the geography, that subject I never did, the geography of the <laughs> island is basically that Hookbar itself is a small ridge of mountains, not very big mountains, but hills and mountains that slope down to the sea. And most of the towns are in the bays and lower areas. And so if they're heading inland, they're heading into fairly rough mountainous terrain. And you know that there's not a lot built in there. So there's a few different uh, walking trails, lookout points. There's a few different attempted mines and logging camps and other kind of industries, almost all of which have gone bust or have been shut down at some point in the last 50 or 60 years, one by one, a lot of these industries have burnt out. But you could pin down that there's probably three or four such locations that they could be going. That is assuming they're going to any building. That is assuming that they're going to any kind of man-made location in the mountains. Okay, I'm just going to circle... I'm going to sort of talk to you, you know, like, well, I, I think if, they, if they're going to a building or, you know, something, if there's something in a man-made structure, I feel like it has to be one of these four based on the direction they were going. So if mm. we, mm-hmm. I'm not saying we immediately need to search, but if we're going to, I think these four are the most likely. Well, once, once the chief of police is finished, I think we'll probably split up into several different search parties and we'll start combing. Sure. Other than that, I, do not, I don't know what we can do. 
And as you're kind of pondering over this map, Maria approaches you. She pulls up one of the chairs and she sits down to look at the map with you. Uh, and she says in quite a weak, quiet voice, you can tell that she is very tired and very worried. She says, I am, um, I think I might have something, something significant that might help, but okay, I don't quite know how to, how it'll apply. Uh, look, at this point, any anything you can give us could be helpful. We've tried to nail down where they might be heading, but it's hard to tell. So any information you could give us would be very helpful. Well, I've been thinking, I've been thinking about it a lot um, recently, but when, when my husband and I began researching this archipelago, it was because of Cold War scientific research, the different programs that were being run here, and they were obviously top secret well we only found bits and pieces on official records but our guess was that the western power blocks were trying to find new weapons different ways of giving an edge to the war effort that's consistent with what we found in the split fin it seemed to be some kind of bioweapon they were trying to develop good i was going i was going to ask you but we didn't yeah. have yeah. a lot of time well from the little i found i think that split fin was one of these but i think it was one of several others and i'll get oh. i'll i'll get to that in a second um look when i when i began looking into the history of this place i found that there was a lot of stories um folklore legends superstitions usually from sailors and traders around uh, things in the water things that lived on the island curses the stuff that most places have but this archipelago, for some reason, has a lot more than most other places. It's a hot spot for that kind of activity. And I mean, well, we've already sort of seen that, I guess. But there's something else. I found I found a repeating pattern in the history of these encounters and these stories. But there's something else. I found a repeating pattern. Mass disappearances. And there was one, I think, in... I can't remember the year now, the late 50s, but I think I think just after the cancellation of the split fin program, that one piece of public media that said they'd scrapped it, not long after that, there was a small island just north of Hookbar and the entire population disappeared, just overnight gone. Is that north of Shink Cove? Yeah. And as a result, people right. abandoned the area. People in Shink Cove left homes and businesses no there's just no explanation but going back even further in 1902 maybe 1903 there was a mining project in the mountains that was shut down because i think 42 miners disappeared simultaneously just overnight 42 people gone and there was no explanation given not from the company not by the miners not by any of the people involved in the business it just shut down and I mean, they get spottier, but even further back in the early 1800s, the first two settlements of the archipelago failed, and the only official reports I could ever find said that there was an outbreak of scarlet fever in both of those cases, but the the accounts from the traders, the ones that discovered that the settlements were empty, said they found no bodies and no burial grounds. That's not how scarlet fever works. No. So... Yeah. It's hard to know exactly how all these things fit together, but it doesn't seem like that much of a leap to say that whatever is responsible for the lost is probably responsible for those disappearances. I agree, and the... Well... When Ernest and I found the submarine, when we found um, the split fin, we... Well, we... Um, we talked to Dr. Vaughan. The Dr. Vaughan from yeah. the... Pro yes. Uh, I, sorry, how? I, um, it's very hard to explain. Obviously, he wasn't alive, but he kind of... Any, anyway, long story sh short, we, f we found out that they were trying to, trying to build some kind of weapon uh, from him, and the weapon that he was creating um, somehow took over him, and it, it gave him the ability to I, I don't know live in his consciousness still I, I don't I don't know how it worked but anyway we got to talk to him and he said that 
something was was coming the the tide or or whatever these these people were calling it um mm-hmm. and that it was coming regardless and that we had to get everyone out and i tried to ask him if there was any way we could stop it or you know do anything about it um and he kind of didn't really give me an answer so i assume that would be in line with what you're saying that this has happened before and they haven't been able to stop it before in instances like this you need to look for the common factor we're looking for the cause and the cause usually tells you the best route to take when dealing with it and look in all of these legends that i found it's hard to tell because they are legends but a common factor seemed to be that people did something and in terms of something like split fin and perhaps its connection to the shink cove disappearances it seems like these instances happen when someone or a group of people interfere significantly with the ecosystem and well, we talked weeks ago about the possibility of the loss being some kind of hive mind. Well, it wouldn't be unthinkable that they are more like a biological defense mechanism, like the ecosystem trying to force out threats. And if in the past there were causes, it means that someone has caused this now. So maybe maybe what the children of the tide were doing, maybe... They Maybe. thought they were trying to save themselves, but they were they were causing Maybe whatever's been But this is all speculation and I don't have any information, I don't even have a clue of what's happening to Wilbur and it seems like the only thing we can do is try and get him away from this place. If this place is a hot spot, then whether this is coming from inside of him or external getting him away is the only thing that I can think of. Perhaps it sees Wilbur as a threat. Maybe. Perhaps if we were to get him but out... But it took him. Uh, if he's a threat, are they going... Are they... They'd just attack him. Well, that's what I would think, unless they have to do something to him, but I don't... I don't even want to think. Yeah. Sorry, unless they but... need him to defend themselves. But again, I don't... But what against? I don't know. Okay. Well, thank you. Hey, hey, you, you there with the, with the, the weed looking haircut. What? Me? Right? <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> He's talking direct to Alistair. <laughs> you, your friend, the ginger one, the, um, the, the weird, yeah, Ernest. Yeah, what about him? He's over. And I turn. He's like, <laughs> no, he left. He's gone. He's walked out. He's finished. He's going back to the mainland. Uh, <laughs> coward. I knew he didn't have what it takes. <laughs> Randy, Randy, what do you mean he walked out? He walked out. Over there. Well, why didn't you say so? I just did. Uh, and Alistair's going to run after Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest is over near an outside bin throwing up again. He has a really weak stomach, apparently. <laughs> uh, Alice is going to hang back until you're finished with that and then walk over. He doesn't want to deal with that. <coughs> hey, you all right? Yep. Randy said you were going back to the mainland. Uh, no. No, no, I'm, no, I'm not. Sometimes I wonder if he, if he is like... If he really thinks these things, or if he just says them, or, and just, I don't know. But yeah, you, you okay? Yep. That's, um, it's been quite the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, as you turn, uh, Gina is coming out the door to find you two. She is wearing her park ranger's jacket, which is not dissimilar, in fact, to... Uh, Ernest's inherited scout bomber jacket. She has her her hands in her jacket pockets and she says, um, uh, the chief is done. He wants to talk to everyone. So let's go. She stands aside for Alistair and then as Ernest comes, she very gingerly and a little awkwardly, she goes to put an arm around your shoulders and then kind of stops just short of doing it and then sort of just pats you 
and then puts her hands back in her pockets and she says, rough day on the job. Don't worry, I'm sure it'll be it'll be fine. I mean, come on, what, what else could go wrong? It's fine. And she's just going to keep walking. All right, you re-enter the waiting room and you can see that um, everyone is standing pretty much now. Uh, Charlotte and McAllister are there. Uh, Charlotte has blood spattered over her, her shirt collar and shoulder. She's been patched up, but she's still in pretty rough shape. But she's got hands on her hips and she's looks very much in control of the situation. And oddly enough, the chief of police is staying there. He's a, a tall, tall man, a tall, like a head and a half taller than Charlotte with very white blonde hair cut short. He is for some reason wearing Morpheus style round sunglasses inside at night, but he stands quite awkwardly. Like his, his arms and legs are quite close together and he kind of just is standing there. Alistair like looks at his sunglasses and then looks at Randy, who's also wearing sunglasses, and then back to Chief and just inwardly questions many things. <laughs> and then also, you know, to the window and the pitch black darkness outside. Yep. So you gather in. It is an oddly lonely space with all of you crowded in here. And yet it feels like a big empty room and there is relative quiet except for the hum of the lights overhead. Chief. Randy, stop doing that. You know what? Stop. I'm sharpening my knife. Yes, stop. Yes. So? Stop. Why? What do you want me to do yours instead? Hospital. Yeah. Uh, Monsters. Hospital. Aliens. I'll, I'll, send you out, I'll send you outside. <laughs> send you outside. <laughs> he puts his knife away. And uh, the chief... Straightens his tie and clears his throat. Um, well, uh, <clears throat> everyone's here. That's good. Well, it's uh, my duty to inform you that uh, Officer Bernie Todd has passed away from injuries sustained in the line of duty. Randy punches a hole in the water cooler. He doesn't say anything. He was a brave young man and a, a fine officer of the law. Got him. I don't know how I'm going to tell his mum. Alistair stands up and, like, turns around so he's facing away from the group for a second. And, like, leans against a wall. Ernest blinks a few times but doesn't look away. In the corner, Nancy sits down again and she puts her head in her hands for a moment. But we're wasting time. There's still a child lost in the woods. And honestly, I don't understand a lot what's going on here. But Bernie's murderer is at large. We need to organize and deploy. You, you, and funny one over there. I'm deputizing you. It is unknown which one he called <laughs> the funny one. He wasn't actually pointing at anyone. He just uh, said Looked, it. Yeah. He just, we assumed since we're the only non-police or official people here. Yeah. Uh, and he says, We need to find the boy. We need to split up into four groups and start combing the mountains. Alistair's going to look over at McAllister. McAllister, have you made any progress with your um, experiments with the antibacterial? Uh, I wouldn't call it an experiment, but I think this will work. And he, uh, he digs through a duffel bag at his feet and he pulls out several uh, fairly large water pistols. He <laughs> has special concoction and he shakes a big tub of what looks like just bleach. <laughs> Rainy, who still has the water cooler stuck to his right arm and is like trying to get it out. He's trying to get his arm out of the way. He like looks at it and he goes, oh yeah, now we're talking. And he holds his hand out enthusiastically for a water pistol. Well, we'll meet up outside the uh, hospital, split up into groups, get what you need. We're setting out. As everyone begins moving, Chief grabs uh, Randy by the arm and he says to Randy, Now, uh, Dr. Pike is going to be coming with us. Blasted water tank. Sorry, what? Yeah, Dr. Pike. Now, 
If she does anything, you have license to do whatever you think is best. Randy. Randy's manic movements and darting eyes kind of slow down for a minute. And he pulls his hand free of the water cooler and he says, <laughs> You got it, chief. But no matter what, the boy comes first. Boy comes first. I got it. Boy comes first. Justice comes second. <laughs> and, and then he crab walks out of the hospital going... <laughs> he's going deep inside. He's, uh, he's just unable to process his grief and loss and therefore is acting out. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Ernest is already out in the car park. All right, as you... Um, so you are, are you heading for your Jeep? You're kind of, you, you're all parked pretty much right out the front. There's no He's one else around. He's just waiting out front for right. anyone else. As you're doing that, um, you see Nancy coming out. She still looks very unwell, but she is very focused. You can see this steel in her eyes as she is um, putting on her police vest and she walks straight up to you. And she says, quietly so that no one else can hear, she says, Look, you're probably thinking about the same as me, that we want to see Gil brought in. But that's not what Bernie would want. Gil can wait. The boy can't wait. Bernie would have done anything, did do everything to protect Wilbur, and by doing that, he's trying to protect everyone else. Trust me, I... I know, I can see it in your eyes too, but look, I think that can wait. And I think I can find Wilbur. I think I know where he's going. Ernest looks at her. You can find him. Do you, um... <clears throat> do you remember Hon Caves? Mm-hmm. What they tried to do to me and Randy? Mm-hmm. I guess if it's only a little bit, it takes a while to, um... get a good hold on you. But, uh... Well, he... <laughs> she looks over at Randy, who is doing fly kicks in the car park um no he's like he's got the water cooler that was that was on his hand set up in the car park and he he looks like he's about to kick it and he's kind of like looking back and forth trying to aim it towards a tree (laughs) um look i think randy's okay but i've i don't know how much longer i've got left but i can feel it and if whatever that is inside of me wants to get to wilbur and I think if I can follow that, I can find him. I don't want to tell Chief. He'll try and... He'll try and get me to stay in the hospital, and I can't do that right now. I can't do that while Bernie's still... We've got a job to do, and I'm going to do it. And if I lose my job because of that, then that, that that's fine. But I'm I'm finding Wilbur. And I'm going to do what Bernie would have wanted. I guess there's no point in me arguing, despite the fact it's a dumb idea, but... She smiles. Well, good fiction is based on bad ideas. Okay. Uh, Alistair walks up to you too. She uh, smiles at Alistair and says, let's go find a a missing kid. All right. uh, Are you Okay. I'm fine. And he looks at Ernest. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Right. And he's going to, like, get ready to walk off. Uh, as you do... Ernest is suddenly a much harder character to play. Uh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, no. So as you all, um, you step out into the car park one by one. All right, you divide into groups... Uh, McAllister, Charlotte and Maria together. Dr. Pike is escorted by Chief and Randy. Alistair, Ernest and Nancy are together. 
you go over the maps, you're given different areas of the mountain range to start sweeping. Since I keep forgetting how many NPCs I have to maintain. She might either come with us or... No, Gina is going to head back to the ranger station and collect Brett, who has been manning it, and they are going to start sweeping on their own uh, as another team. Poor Brett. Brett does not want to be there, but that's what's going to happen to Brett. So there are different sections of the mountain that you were given. You guys are given one of the higher sections. It's a little less used. Um, In your section on the map, there is an abandoned logging camp. There's several of the old watchtowers um, that are now disused. And there's also one of the earliest mines um, in that section. Everyone else has different sections around. You're going to be communicating through radios between the different cars. How many watchtowers are there? Uh, There's three in your section. There's about 20 in total across the island itself. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. The other cars begin to head out as Nancy is pouring over the map, trying to get an idea of where she feels pulled to. Uh, what are Ernest and Alistair doing while you have just a moment to yourselves? I feel like uh, Alistair would be with Nancy, like giving her the information that he had because she, he doesn't know about her, but he also, she wasn't there when they were talking about the map. So Ernest is sitting with the car door open, like on the seat with his legs out onto the concrete, bouncing his knees, and he's looking up at the mountain, looking at one specific place already. So in our area, we've got there's a logging there's that logging camp, the mine, and some watchtowers. So I don't know. Um, I mean, they were all roughly in the direction that they were heading. So I'm not sure. Watchtowers first. We can get a better perspective. Are you sure? But there's three of them. That's smaller. I don't know if we should. High ground's always better. Uh, yeah. All right. As you sure. are having this okay. discussion in the in the distance, it's a a, a late-ish summer evening you can hear the cicadas uh you're not that far from the sea where you are in town here so you can hear the waves in the distance crashing uh but you hear the roar of an unhappy engine and even now as the uh, breeze is wafting you can smell the fumes as around a bend in the street uh comes a rusty old green camper van and as it begins getting closer you can see a flock of white seagulls very shoddily hand painted along the side um (laughs) as it squeals and dips and mounts the curb and into the car park and there's just fumes billowing out the back of it you can see herb kush's signature van hold on is that herb i'm gonna roll to see how many of the tires are flat got seven how many of the tires all of them all the tires (laughs) Herb Kush winds down the window. It gets stuck halfway down. He kind of slaps it and is trying to push it down. Alistair gets out of the car and walks over. Herb? He's like, oi, there's the boy. Yeah. Hey, man. Herb, you all right? Oh, yeah, I'm doing good. Great. Um, as he's like just smiling, a hand from inside the car grabs his face and pushes it out of the way, and you can see Gertrude. She's glaring at you. She's going, whoa, hey. No, we have a lot of things going on right now and we need to get out of here. Well, okay. Um, what's happening? Uh, the children are coming. They're coming for the hospital. They're coming now. Who's still inside? We need to get everyone out. Uh, we're all out, but the, the nurses and the doctors and, and everyone's still ah, in there. She um, kicks the, the other passenger door open and gets out um, and starts heading into the hospital um you all right you go to you go to follow her and hope goes whoa uh, ali uh, hey i've uh i've been doing some research and i yeah. got a few things that i think would be helpful okay do we have time for this because you said we're kind of oh uh, she's really um uh you know how kids are they always think stuff's happening faster than it really is all right well just be quick all right uh, actually no can you uh, yeah all right from inside yep. you hear fire alarms going off inside the hospital <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, I hope there's not a fire. You guys think there's a fire? No, I'd say that's her trying to get everyone out. Her. Oh, yeah. Now, well, that, that would make me? sense. Oh, yeah. So, um, funny story. He kind of leaning on the window of his his camper van. Um, and <laughs> Speed the three... it up, Herb. So, funny story. Uh, you cats remember way back when I had that yep, um, I trippy thing yep. with the audio equipment with the in plugs. the station? Yep. Yeah, the plugs. And it was like I got possessed by some crazy cosmic DJ. 
Is hold on, hold on. Pull the mask off. I think this is just. <laughs> I feel like I recognise this voice from somewhere. <laughs> Look, they have the same voice. <laughs> Jeremy we, we and Herb have the same voice. We couldn't be bothered to go back into. <laughs> Look at this. Episode six and check it. I did. It's they sound the same. Okay. It's just old people slang and young people slang. All right. Yes, I remember Jeremy. Uh, Herb. Yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah. So I figured it out. Um, it was the ghost station. You remember how I was telling you? Yeah, secret frequencies. I yeah, remember. I found that weird wavelength from the station that doesn't exist. It yeah. was like some kind of microtonal frequency jazz. I remember. Yeah, well... J- jazz? Yeah, jazz. It took a while, but I found it again. I lost the bit of paper that I had it written on, but I found the actual wavelength again. And so I rigged up this way of um, broadcasting back. Great. And guess what? They replied. It's crazy. It's like a whole pen pal dealie uh, where I talk to them and they talk to me. But when they talk to me, they're only talking like bits of... Um, recordings. R- yeah, recordings. Chat. It's like it doesn't actually have her? a voice. Well, they said a whole mess of stuff. Um, Do you have a transcript, perhaps? I do, yeah. I recorded it for you. I thought you'd like that. I love um, that so much. But mostly, much. it said that I had to come and help you find a kid. It said, um, "Yeah, Wilbert or Waldorf." Wilbur. Might have been. I it think was it was Wilbur. Waldorf. It was Wilbur. We've been looking for him all night. All right. As you having this conversation, more cars are coming around the bend. Uh, this is like Back to the Future. Yes, it is. <laughs> Herb, the cult. Herb, we gotta go. We gotta Except go. Except Herb does not have a rocket launcher in his minivan. Alistair starts running towards his car. He's like, "We gotta go, Herb. Tell us on the road. Follow us. Let's go." Uh, Unless like, you know where to go, in which case we'll follow you. Do you know where to go? Uh, I don't know where to go. No. Where's um? Great. So helpful. Uh, what's follow us. Ernest is revving the engine. <laughs> right, Nancy. Ernest, is like, we gotta go. <laughs> I'm waiting. Gertrude comes booking it out of the hospital and make a perception roll for me. Eight. Uh, all right, eight. Nine. You can see that um, she seems to be holding a snapped in half uh, broom handle. <laughs> okay. Uh, and she's running towards uh, the van and she's like motioning to get going as anyone, other cars are beginning to pull into the car park. Has anyone else see. come out of the hospital? No, already? not yet. Okay. Um... And as you can see, there are other cars now pulling in. You can see there is about four or five of them. Um, And Gertrude stops in the middle of the car park. And Herb is kind of uncertain of what to do. What are you guys doing? I'm probably like halfway to the car. Ernest starts the car, kicking open the side door for, for Alistair and is going to drive it directly at Gertrude. Right, yeah. As you're doing that, the children of the tide begin to spill out of these cars. There actually seem to be more than there were the first time. Um, you can see that there are women and young people, whereas last time it was mostly men. This seems to be all of the group. And getting out of the central car, you can see Gil. He is bandaged up. He has an arm in a sling close to his chest, and he seems to be supported by someone else. But you can see his hair is disheveled and his eyes are crazed he seems to be in a complete fit he's almost frothing at the mouth as he is screaming about the hospital and about finding the boy and you can see people already starting to spill out of the cars and are heading towards the hospital someone picks up a garbage can that's like one of those large garbage cans that's in roll for Ernest's vomit to fall out (laughs) (laughs) yep Um, he's foiled the children of the two all right, as they're, <laughs> as they're heading out, um, they're kind of streaming around you guys. They're heading for, a bunch of them are heading for the hospital doors. One of them grabs um, the the big trash can that is outside the front doors and lifts it over his head to throw it through um, through the doors. And uh, Ernest Swamit comes running out the side of it, uh, down his arm, and he goes, ah, and throws it. <laughs> With disadvantage. With disadvantage, it bounces off the front. The front doors, <laughs> even as he throws it, the front doors slide open and it just goes inside. And he's now trying to flick sick off his arm. He's Gertrude? Like, oh, 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 that's... Oh, oh, oh. Gertrude, get in the car! As I 
get into the car that Ernest is driving past and we're um, heading towards her. Gil is pointing towards you guys and pointing towards Gertrude and he's saying, there they are. You get them. Do not let them get away. This time we have them. This time we are going to get the boy and it's going to go our way. We can't afford for this to happen again. Get them. Does Gertrude get in the Gertrude car? Gertrude is staring Gil down. Ernest kind of clicks at her a few times. Gertrude. In the car. That's number nine. For those three words. All right, so with advantage because you do have silver tongue. All right, that is a success. So she, not looking at you, says more to herself than to you. I'm going to kill him. When it's all said and done, I'm going to kill him. And she's backing up towards the car and she gets in, um, in the jeep with you. Well, we'll have to get in the queue. We've tried once already. Ernest. Don't sass me, Alistair. <laughs> Ernest backs the car up, and so he's facing the drive that they came through and starts revving the engine again. Directly in front of him, about 100 feet away, is the stream of them and Gil, and just revs and revs. Gil is just striding towards the car. He is not turning aside. The people around him are not turning aside. They are running for you, Is there for another the car. exit to the car park? Yeah, there's an exit behind you. There's a couple of different ways of getting in and out. It's also a fairly secluded spot. It's not like in the middle of the main street or anything. But you can see now that people are throwing bricks through the windows of the hospital and a bunch of them have streamed inside. They're obviously making sure that you're not a decoy and there's people still hidden inside and it's turning into utter chaos. Alistair's going to reach forward and tap at Ennis. Okay, we need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yes, we do. Gil is still now looking Ernest. forwards. He's pointing at your jeep and he's yelling. He's like, that one. Make sure they don't get away. They're the ones who got the boy before. Ernest. This time, we need him. Ernest, let's Survival go. Survival of the fittest and only the fit will survive. They are not fit. Ernest, what's wrong with you? Come on. puts it into reverse and slams his foot down on the pedal. Right, as you were doing that, you were screeching backwards. You were just heading for the edge of the car park. You bang up the curb through a little bit of garden and out onto the road. You've made your own exit. Meanwhile, um, Herb is trying to do a three-point turn <laughs> to follow you. And there are people like with um, with chair legs and baseball bats and rocks. They're just like smacking at the side of his van. He's like why, trying to wind up the window. He's like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> hey, no, that's, that's seagulls. That took forever. And he's just very, and, but the smoke, there's so much smoke coming out of the van. It's a flock like, of seagulls, guys. Yeah. It's a reference. To that band, you know? No one, uh, oh, okay. And as he screeches out, he said loves my dude. <laughs> no, no. It's like, this is really harsh. It's not... I mean, come on. And he, he follows you, but he takes the normal exit as they're, like, smacking on the van and someone smashes the back window of, of the van. Um, just so you know, two cars of people are now uh, after you as well. You are out onto the main road. Herb is Should trying to keep up behind drive. you. <laughs> With Ernest's road rage, you are heading away behind you. Um, you can hear the roar of people yelling. Uh, and Ernest is going to pocket one thing and then pass another thing over to Nancy. And he's going to pass a flare, which he keeps under his seat, to Nancy. Okay. Uh, she goes, uh, oh, I think I know what to do with this. Cool. Ernest uh, is going to activate road rage. Ernest, what was that? Come on, we got it. This is... All good, man. It's all good. We've got to think fast, yeah? Oh, I am. Ernest is going to tear up the main drag. Right. Then what was that back there? Oh, it was me tossing up murdering him or not. Yeah, yeah, all right. Gertrude says, I mean, I was too, so that's all right. I think we all have at some point today. Yeah, he... Look, uh... How did you, how'd you get out of there? Because we... Last <laughs> time we saw you, you were kind of surrounded by them. Yeah, well... They are supposedly my family, so... Look, they've been getting crazier, and I didn't know where to go after Dad, but I didn't stay. I left that night. I went back to 
to the abandoned town I've been there but then <sighs> look for a while I didn't know what to do I didn't even know what to make of the whole situation but those dreams that dad had I started having I started having dreams too and now in the dreams I kept seeing the radio station and and I kept hearing voices and all these sort of things so I went to the radio station and I found Herb and he told me about the whole Wilbur bit and it seems like this is not nearly as localized as I thought and then when I went back to try and find out what what they were doing it was like it had turned into a war camp so I came to warn you guys so I was too late already um I'm sorry about about your dad me too Ernest is going to go tearing up the the main street and go weaving into he's basically going into because he started to become more aware of the area he's going to be heading towards the ranger station's reserve where he knows all of the roads and they're all one lane roads mm. type of thing and so he's going to be going up into the bush area starting to wind up the mountains ignoring everyone else in the car heading for the one place he feels is correct all right Nancy is leaning over the back seat towards you and she's kind of muttering, basically affirming the direction you're going, aiming, you're heading inland anyway, you're heading for the mountains. All right, you head, uh, I assume you're kind of heading for the ranger station initially because that's the main point at which then all of the, the non-road trails that head into the mountain go. Yep. And if you're heading for some of the more secluded spots, those are the trails you're gonna be taking. Ernest passes his phone to Alistair. Call Gina. She might be able to do something about, and he like looks at his his little uh, rearview mirror, and it's just bright because the people behind him have their high uh, beams you, on. No, you the person behind you with the high beams on is Herb, trying desperately to keep up with your road rage. People oh, behind him that, are the uh, children of the tide. Okay. You have the buffer of Herb's van. His three-point turn wasn't that slow. Uh, and he also says, can, you, um, "Can someone call Herb? His high beams are very annoying." All right, uh, Alice is going to call you. All right, you call Gina, uh, you get Brett straight away. He goes, um, uh, hello, this is Brett. Brett. Hi, can you put me onto Gina or... Uh, sure, yep, message? that's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, kind of hear, you kind of hear very quickly, it's the snatched off him. It's like, Chief Ranger Grimshaw. Uh, it's Ali. Gina, it's Alistair. All right, where are you? We're on our way towards the ranger station. We're going up into the mountains. We're being... Uh, we've got Herb with us. Herb oh, not Herb. Anyway, we're being pursued by <laughs> I th two, maybe three cars from the Children of the Tide. Uh, just kind of shouts over as he swerves. It's hard to tell with Herb's high booms. Yes. Uh, for the love of... Um, Is there anything you can do? Because we're headed towards you right now. Um, Are you still at the station? Yeah, we're still at the station. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to... Which, which track do you want to take? Are you heading... Ernest, which track? We're taking 2B. We're going across, across the main area of the reserve and head up the closest 2B, way up the mountain. 2B, we're crossing the reserve. All right, I'll go and I'll open the gate. As soon as you go through, I'll lock it after you. We'll set up as much of a roadblock as we can to buy you time. Ernest, we need as much distance as we can. I'm making the buffer. Uh, she goes, all right, Gina out. There's, hold on, wait, there's us and then Herb. Make sure you let Herb through as well. He's in his van. She's already gone. Uh, Brett's going, ah, uh, um... I'll, I, I can I can pass that on. That's okay. Thanks, Brett. All right, you speed up the road. You pull into the familiar area of the ranger's station. There's a couple of cars parked. The the lights are on. You can see to the far right there is a gate open wide, and you can see Gina waving a large flashlight, beckoning you through. Ernest uh, uses the last of the tarmac before they get onto road onto onto dirt tracks he just slams his foot down as hard as he can going complete speed through the gate clipping off one of the mirrors on the side as he goes through <laughs> yeah. the gate because right. he usually goes about 10 miles like through it right. very slowly make, to make sure he doesn't clip anything both of you make a perception check for me 
Nat 12. One! Nat 12. One! <laughs> Alistair's been blinded by Herb's high beams. All right, Alistair, you are being shaken so much by the speed and the bumps as you hit gravel. And now because Ernest doesn't have his side beam on, he's not getting blinded anymore. He's lost that mirror. <laughs> so he can now see. Was it the right mirror? It's the right mirror. All right, you, you are, you are speeding through. You hit gravel. You keep going. Everyone else is shaking around, but your focus is completely on making sure you get through... Uh, the gate safely, but you also see that Gina, who is holding the gate open and holding a flashlight in her arm, she has something that it takes you a, a second to realize what it is. It's a landmine. No, no, no. Okay. Over her arm, a roll of tire spikes, like police <laughs> would use in a manhunt. So clearly, her plan is as soon as you guys go through, she's going to put down the spikes and leave so that when they try to get through, they go through the spikes, uh, and then she will interfere. Where did she get a roll of tire spikes from? eBay, man, eBay. <laughs> Pre-ordered, she's like, man, in about three weeks, we're gonna have a mad car chase. Right, you uh, just blister through the gate well, and keep going give, up the if trail. If I could give a ranger explanation, it would be if anyone's driving on the reserve that they're not meant to be. Oh yeah, that's true. And like, this is also a very small town with a limited police force that the fire department and the rangers department basically are basically the backup police. police. So, yeah, equipment is stored all over the place. They have stuff for different emergencies. Like, the rangers would have a heap of stuff for bushfires and forest fires, so they have some stuff for police as well. You go careening up this track. Behind you, uh, going a, a cool 60 kilometers an hour is Herb. Uh, his his VW is really struggling. <laughs> um, he potters through much slower than you. He's waving at Gina. Gina is just has this disgusted look shaking on her face, her shaking her head. Uh, after you go through, she slings down the tire spikes and moves back into the woods. Yep. Okay, we keep uh, tearing up the the main track, up 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 along these kind of higher roads now. Right, Gina, uh, Nancy is guiding you every time you come to a turn or a point where it splits off she's beginning to give you instructions saying i think i think more this way more to the left yep you are heading you realize for through like looking at the map you realize you're heading for the burnt out watchtowers the decommissioned watchtowers all right you reach a little plateau um where the ground kind of evens out these are rough trails you need some heavy duty tires to get up these things this is really reserve uh, driving and as it plateaus out the the trail disappears this is where it stops and you can see up a rocky piece of hill and built into a cleft in the kind of mountainside is uh, the blackened charred remains of a tower wait Ernest you said you wanted to get to one of the watchtowers yeah this this one's burnt out you said you wanted we should have gone back the other way. Wrong turn, Look, see, I and guess. And he gets, he gets out the map. Look, see, this one here is... This is the one we're going to, which is the burnt one. If we go, if we went that way, isn't isn't that where you... Like I said, wrong turn. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go. Ernest stops the car. So we at the... Yep, you're... Yep. Ernest, hey, Ernest come on, let's go. And, and uh, hops out. Um... Nancy puts a hand on Alistair's arm. Alistair brushes so, it away and gets out of the car. Uh, all right, we'll make a, a, a pose check. Why? Because she's trying to talk <laughs> yeah, to you. Right. Uh, oh, three. I don't do very well. Uh, all right, she got a four. Okay. <laughs> so you try to go and she, she tightens her grip quite hard. Um, for right, as, as I gen- stop and look at yeah, it. Yeah, as gentle as Nancy is, you have seen her throw humans bodily left and right like it's nothing. Back in the good old days. <laughs> Back in the good old days. Not really. Now, because Gertrude's on the other side, I'm guessing she's going to get out. She's already out of the Ernest car. Ernest is planning to have a, a word to her. Yeah, she's already getting out. Um, and Nancy looks you dead in the eye, Alistair, and says, Look, there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment, but just trust me, we are. Everyone wants to see Wilbur safe, and we want to make sure that. <sighs> Whatever is going on here doesn't endanger any more people. I know. And I think don't underestimate how hard Ernest is taking what's been happening. Yeah, I I know there's something very wrong with him. Alistair. We're in... Alistair, it's okay. What? 
it's okay. We're still here. We're together. We're going to see it through. And then who knows? And she kind of ruffles your hair like an older sibling <laughs> and gets it and goes to get out of the car. While they're having their conversation, Ernest is going to beckon over uh, Gertrude. All right. Listen, um, I don't know what's going to happen here, but enough people, so many people I know are dead. I'm not talking about today. This isn't going to go well. And I don't know how... I, I, I have a job to do here, but I don't want anyone else getting hurt. So if things go bad, you have a responsibility to yourself, but also to everyone else here. To get out, if you can. Uh, Gertrude is looking at you very... Uh, sternly she's appraising you she scratches the back of her head and she says look I don't I don't know what you've been through and it's none of my business it doesn't really matter I'm not here to try and save the day or anything I'm just here because Herb's pretty hopeless and he said he needed to talk to you, and I knew that you needed to be warned about the children. I'm not... Look, I feel sorry for for Wilbur and whatever is going on with him, and none of that's good, I get it, but I don't really... I don't really care about that as much as I care about seeing Gil getting what he deserves. Then do something for me. And Ernest, while they're still talking in the car, is going to hand the keys of the car to Gertrude. Say, you don't need to be here. And he nods at the keys and starts walking towards the tower. Alistair and Nancy follow. Gertrude hangs back. Crawling up the hill eventually does come <laughs> Herb. Um, yeah, his car has fared very poorly coming up the hill. It is limping basically all the way up here. And as he gets out of the car, you guys are already like 100 metres up this rocky slope to where the, the watchtower is built. It's kind of built in a cleft of the rock so that it can see the most amount and it's really hard to get any kind of car up there. And so you can hear him calling from back. He's like, hey, guys, wait, guys, wait. I have to tell you stuff. My exposition. <laughs> All the stuff over didn't know how to tell you without someone just giving you the information. <laughs> Blood points! Please! <laughs> it's fine. We can get to that another time. If he's around. All right, you reach the little plateau where the, the remains of the structure are. Roll here. Investigation for me. Tenda. Ernest is quite puffed. He has been through quite a lot. His head's a bit full. Uh, this is not exactly what he was expecting. Uh, basically, what is left is a few pieces of hardwood still standing, um, but mostly it's the steel bearers and joists of what was once the, um, the watchtower. The watchtowers were built a fairly long time ago. The very, very basic structure was metal, including the stairs. The rest was wooden, and so everything that was there is entirely collapsed in, basically. This is a ruin for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this is going to kind of look around and just look for anything in particular. Alistair, you can see that something here isn't quite adding up. You were told, when Gina told you the story about this, um, the Watchtower burned down, sure, and the remains of that particular ranger and whatever creature they were dealing with were lost in the fire and they buried the remains yeah. on the site. What you are seeing is still a lot of steel remains. This is it doesn't, This something's not clicking here. It's not quite what you would have expected from Gina's story. You don't really see how the remains could still be here or if they were gathered up and buried where. Something about this is a bit odd, a bit off. Okay. Um, From I'm gonna your walk, ten. Okay, I'm gonna walk over to um, Ernest and see. 
Hey, is this... Um, is this the watchtower that Gina told us about? Is this the same one? Yep. This, this is the one. Have you... Have you noticed it yet? Notice what? I mean... This isn't quite how I pictured it from what she said. So I, I thought maybe this was a different one, but you, you're sure this is it? I don't think... I don't think they buried the thing that they found here. I think... I don't think it ever died in the fire. All this stuff, there's so much wrong with this island. There's so much wrong. But it seems like there are major events that happen on this island. There's the split fin. There's there's that... Shink Cove. Yeah, that, yeah there, there's like a... One of your islands is like abandoned. And then there's this. I'm sure there's there's countless more. This is this is just the closest one to us, so I came here because how can it not be linked? Why didn't you just tell me? Uh, hold on, Alistair. I'm gonna go on a little road trip up this mountain over here to have a look yeah. at a, a burnt down room. I would have believed you. You don't need to hide stuff from me. We're in. I know this has been tough. I'm I'm not trying to do a. Hey, Ernest, you're doing great, Pepto. I'm not good at that. I'm just saying. I know, and you don't have to hide stuff from me, yeah? Now this is going to roll investigation on Nancy. Mm-hmm. It's a ten. She is standing still and swaying slightly. She just seems to be staring off into the mountain. She is not very with it anymore. She's definitely getting worse. Actually, with a, with a ten, you can see her wiping her nose repeatedly with her sleeve. Ernest looks at Alistair and is like, yeah, um, I'm sorry, I should, I should, I'm sorry. Sorry, we're here now. So, um, what are we looking for? Ernest is going to hug Alistair. Roll for hug. hug. Both of you. Do we need to roll for hug or do we need to explain what we're doing? It's a seven. Seven's a pretty good hug. It's a pretty good hug. It's all right. It's 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 a little bit sweaty. It's a little bit, your hands are a bit clammy. Two is mine. Alistair rolled a ten, so he freezes for a second because he was a bit confused, and then grabs Ernest very tightly and just stays there. Right. Oh no no, let me let me oh, do this. No, we're having character development. Aren't no no no, it's not a bad thing. It's just a funny way to explain it. Um. All right, so you roll a seven. That's a mixed result. Uh, the hug is a little impromptu. It's a little aggressive at first. It's kind of a grabbing a hug and your hands are a bit sort of sweaty and clammy. Alistair, with a 10, uh, Alistair is so starved for affection that it <laughs> takes him a moment to realise what is going on. Um, but then he hugs Ernest very tightly. They hug for for quite a while and then the, Ernest kind of like half breaks the hug while still you know being in the hug and then says... You'll be all right, Alistair. And he's going to tase Alistair in the back of the neck at the highest setting. And as he crumples to the ground, uh, Ernest kind of goes to his knees to catch him and slowly lower him to the ground and then pulls him over towards the car and pulls from his pocket a set of handcuffs. And he's going to handcuff Alistair's hand to the, the front like door handle. Alistair is not completely blacked out unconscious he's sort of dipping in and out of consciousness he's conscious that his body goes rigid and he feels pain and then it goes black and then he flutters back into consciousness being dragged down the hill and then again when you um, have put the handcuffs on and he's watching uh, in a bleary haze he sees these glimpses of what's going on Ernest straightens up and calls out to Herb and chucks the the keys of the handcuffs to him and says when he wakes up yeah um stay with him unless and yeah mm. and he's going to look at Alistair who's kind of coming in out of consciousness and he's going to strip off his brother's jacket fold up the the jacket and crane Alistair's head back and puts it against his head between the car and his head and then walks over to, to Nancy. Okay, 
Let's go. Black mucus just permanently running from her nose. She wipes it. Okay. She follows you as the two of you begin a hike into the dense trees further and higher into the mountains.